Welcome back to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hi. Hey, we've had an eventful week so far. Sports betting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a sports uh, better now. To tie back into last week's <laughs> pairings. <laughs> Ashley's all about sports betting. Now we're going to have to watch Moneyball. Um, it's it's not good. Uh, I mean, it's fine. Like, I don't have a problem yet. Well, you do try to bet on everything now. Oh, well, yeah. I do try to bet our on shot, Our shot in the dark is it's going to become a bet in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, you'll get plus 400. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I haven't lost money yet. That's good. I've lost money. I not not in, not in net. Each week I lose money, but in net I have made money. Small amounts of money, but you made a little bit more than I made. I deposited like 160 something into our bank account today. Not bad. Yeah. We're just going to have to pay taxes. Does <laughs> that take the fun out of like every <laughs> everything that can make you money? I mean, for us, like we get taxed on these things. <laughs> Tax someone else. <laughs> You know, like, I just want to be able to play a game. I just want to play a game or are my investments are worth nothing. You know, like, don't, don't take that from me. (laughs) Oh, well. So sports betting became a thing from our trip in Vegas. Yeah. Which we got back from, we haven't, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, have we? No, we kind of skipped over it last week. Yeah. That was a fun trip. Yeah, it was a really fun trip. Uh, We ended up doing all the Vegas-y things, kind of intentionally. Yeah, I think the most Vegasy thing we did was the very first thing we did when we got there. Yeah, so our friend who was with us, we left him in charge of booking a, a couple of the dinners, and then we booked a couple of the other ones on open table, and he was debating between two Mexican restaurants. And so he made reservations for both. Well, he technically had me make one at a place we didn't end up going to, and then he made one at another place. So he didn't know anything about them except for, um, you know, they were rated pretty well, and... On our way to the Mexican restaurant, he was talking about, you know, uh, this has really good reviews. It's supposed to be pretty good. It's not super expensive, you know, but it's a Mexican restaurant Mm -hmm. and it's still Vegas prices. But, you know, people really seem to like this. The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is that it shares a parking lot with a strip club. And, (laughs) you know, I'm just not sure. Like, I don't know if I want to be just like around everybody who's walking in and out of strip clubs and, and whatever. Right. Specifically because of the the pandemic type thing. Mm-hmm. And I will say just cutting in that our whole trip, I think we did a great job of making pandemic conscious choices. Yeah. We very much try to avoid packed crowds indoors and be as outside as much as possible. Yeah, especially we, found for a lot Vegas. Of, we found a lot of outdoor places to be and it didn't seem too bad. Uh, Old Vegas was the best for staying outside because mm-hmm. it's like an outdoor mall type area and you can, mm-hmm. uh, the container park and all that. But getting back to the strip club. So he's like, that's my only worry. I don't necessarily want to be in that type of crowd, mm-hmm. especially on the first night. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm sure it'll be fine. So we get an Uber and the Uber pulls us around. The Uber driver is very quiet. Doesn't, isn't really saying much. We're making jokes and laughing and yeah. whatever. And he's not really reacting to it, any of it. It's kind of one of those things. Like if you've ever been like in an Uber and you can kind of feel that maybe your Uber driver hates you. Yeah. A little I was bit. kind of getting that vibe. Well, we weren't being like <laughs> reckless. Yeah. We, we, were weren't just, be, we weren't being obnoxious. We were stone cold sober. Yeah. And just and making hungry. some jokes. Yeah. It was pretty late. <laughs> yeah. We got in pretty late. We're driving and it's getting a little bit away from the regular strip. 
And we see, start seeing like a lot of like adult bookstores. And then there's like the erotic museum and all that. And I've heard about that. That's like a place some people go and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I guess our uh, Mexican restaurant is right next to all the adult bookstores. And then we pull up and our friend is like, oh, that's the strip club I was talking about. It's like one of the largest mm-hmm. strip clubs in, in Vegas. So it's, it's like the size of a mall. It's right. like enormous. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah. And so he, he keeps driving past it. And we're like, so where's the Mexican restaurant? And he makes a hard left into the parking lot of the strip club <laughs> and then keeps driving. And this parking lot is like the size of like a, a mall parking lot. Yeah, it's very large. And he keeps driving and he's now driving toward the strip club. And we're like, well, this is the parking lot. So if it shares this parking lot, shouldn't it be like on the opposite side? And, and there's he, no other building. No, and there's it's no just, other burden building. <laughs> it's just a strip club. And he keeps driving. And then now we're at the strip club. And I'm like, oh my goodness, is this Mexican restaurant inside of the strip club? Then Ashley looks over and sees a little window. Yeah. Like at a a, high school football game concession stand. Yeah, exactly. Like a walk-up thing. And I see like a banner over top that's like a beer bucket special. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, is this where we got a reservation? And I'm literally, like, I'm freaking out. One, I'm freaking out that... Our Uber driver took us here. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I'm so embarrassed right now. Like, when we're around, like, a lot of, like, limousines and, like, because in <laughs> Vegas, limousines will pick you up for free to go to strip clubs and things uh-huh. like that. So, like, that's what we're around is, like, all these clearly, like, bachelor parties, groups of people ready to go to the strip club. Right. But I'm, like, more embarrassed that our Uber driver knows that we input the name of a Mexican restaurant in our destination and that we looked so stupid strolling up to the strip club where the Mexican restaurant is a walk-up concession window. <laughs> yeah. And and so now we're making these jokes out loud and we're all laughing. I mean, I thought I was going to like pee my pants. I was yeah. laughing so it was, hard. It was funny. And now we are looking at the concession stand and we're like, we're going to have to go somewhere else. And the Uber driver for the first time like cracks a smile and like laughs out loud. Right. Just like once. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like a a short, quick laugh. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, I guess we're eating at this window. Like, we're probably (laughs) going to go somewhere else. But then he keeps pulling a little bit forward. And like I said, there's a lot of like limousines, uh, Hummers, all sorts of like things you'd expect to see at a Vegas strip club. And it's kind of blocking the way. And it turns out that right next to, but in the same building of, and by by in the same building, I mean that the front door is roughly four feet right. from the inter- from the door that leads into the strip club, and they share interior doors. Mm-hmm. So you could assumably walk from the Mexican restaurant straight to the strip club without leaving the mm-hmm. building. You wouldn't have to go like go out and come back in. Right. So anyway, getting there, pretty standard. It's mm-hmm. kind of like an abuelas or like, is that the name of that one? Kind of like yeah, the one that's supposed to be like the higher end Mexican chain. I guess. But by higher end, you mean it had like the silk fake rose uh, <laughs> like fabric on the wall. It's like the entire, the wallpaper quote, quote, was silk fabric that's kind of like sewn into rose shape uh, shapes. But it's like nicer than going to like just a standard Tex-Mex type place, right? It's a, it's markets themselves a little bit nicer. So that's what I mean by nice. Not that it is nice. Right. You know, just that that's the... It was not a walk-up concession stand. No, and it's not a <laughs> hole in the wall. It's not a hole in the wall. Even though it is in a strip club, technically. It is not just like a little counter or right. whatever. So yeah, anyway, perfectly fine. When you're in there, you honestly wouldn't know that you're in a strip club other than the set and walls. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Um, the food actually pretty good. It was pretty the best good. quesadilla I've ever had. 
<laughs> kind of and, insane. And I'm like, I'm not exaggerating. It was literally, there's something about the tortilla that they used. I got tacos and the tacos were very good, but the tacos were like the size of like a silver dollar. Yeah, they're they were small. so small. I've never Definitely had smaller tacos than that your small. traditional uh, like street taco. Well, and street tacos are small, but it's just like these were abs- absurdly small, you know, and everything else was fine. Uh, our friend got nachos and he said those were great. So I guess if you want the best uh, quesadilla you've ever eaten, you have to go to the, uh, do you remember what that place is called? I can't even think of it to save the my life. The name of the uh, strip club? I can't even think of it. It's like Sapphire or something with an S. Yeah. We'll remember after we get done recording. Yeah. Well, either which way, we'll come back with that in case you want the, the deets. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he also found this on review sites. So it's not just that he randomly looked up, right? It was right. like top on TripAdvisor right, or something. Right. It was definitely not just like a random like, oh, this place has a reservation. Let's get it. It was like right. research led him there. <laughs> which makes sense because if it is in the most trafficked strip club in the United mm-hmm. States, then mm-hmm. you would assume a lot of people go through there. Mm-hmm. And if it has even decent food in that situation, it's probably going to get pretty solid reviews. Right. So the service horrendous. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. They barely walked anywhere. The hostess just kept like aimlessly, like <laughs> literally like, like a like soulless stare <laughs> off. She might have been on something, but she would like look at the back wall or the front wall and just walk toward it. With all like nothing in between, it was like in a trance, just right. like walking in a line. Yeah, it was weird. And then in Vegas, they they want to charge you, and I mean this is most major cities. They want to charge you for your chips and salsa, but you get one complimentary basket of chips and salsa. And like I can't put into words how hungry I was. Like at the point that we're eating, it is midnight our time, and I had not eaten since nine thirty that morning. Right, it was like almost ten o'clock. Yeah. When we were eating there. Yeah. So like I was starving and I was promised chips and they were not coming. And so eventually like somebody in our group like went up to the hostess and asked her for chips. And And then immediately got them. Yeah. Oh, the problem is that we ran into this. This must be a Vegas thing. But our waiter was also the bartender. So the reason he wasn't coming back is because people were ordering drinks at the bar. Right. And this exact same thing happened to us at the Paris Hotel um Mm -hmm. or the i don't know if it's called the paris casino or whatever but Mm -hmm. the beer park there which is like a half indoor half outdoor thing on Mm -hmm. the second or third floor that waiter also was a bartender right i don't know if they all were both (laughs) you know or whatever but he wasn't just like pouring a beer bartender he was like mixing drinks and pouring shots and all that type of stuff so i don't know exactly how they determine you know who's going to wait tables and who's going to be a bartender and if you're going to do both but you can't really do both, especially not in a place with that many people ordering drinks. Yeah, nobody wants to work, Sean. Well, I mean, there are people working there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that's that's how I learned to place a sports bet. Well, not the strip club, but yeah. <laughs> you did place a We should have placed a bet on uh, whether that food was going to be good. Right. That would have been an underdog bet that would have won. Uh, but yeah, now uh, sports betting. Someday we'll uh, come back with a sports bet movie like Moneyball. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So what are our movies? So uh, to remember what I announced last time, which you weren't super stoked about, but I am really stoked about, it's going to be a very early mid-90s night. Also, I haven't looked at the runtime of Encino Man, but the first movie we're watching, the good movie, is a goofy movie. And a goofy movie is only like an hour and 18 minutes. God, thank God. So it's short, very short. I don't believe it was released. I know it came out in theaters. Uh, it was following, I think, Goof Troop, which was a made-for-TV. Wasn't that a show? 
I think it was a TV show that on the Disney Channel that then got a movie. Yeah. And so it's like an hour long movie, you know, that mm-hmm. played on TV. This is like a follow up to that, but it was released in theaters. And then if you remember, so this one came out in 1995. Mm-hmm. If you remember in 2000, I think it was either 2000 or 2001, they released an extremely goofy movie, which is where Max goes to college. Oh, yeah. And he participates in like the X Games type thing. Like he, I think he's like a rollerblader <laughs> or a skateboarder, one of the two. He skateboards in this, but this movie is so 90s. Uh, not just, you know, goofy Max. Everybody remembers this movie who's a millennial. Um, so I just looked it up. So a goofy movie was a movie adaptation for the TV show Goof Troop. Well, there we go. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So it, it was, okay, so it was just the TV show. Mm-hmm. I watched a little bit of that growing up. So yes, this is going to be a very 90s thing. So 90s that we have Polly Shore in this movie. Do we? Because I looked at it and I could not find I looked Polly it up. Shore. It is Polly Shore. Oh, who is he playing? Bobby. Bobby Zimaruski. Uh, but I did find a thing that said that it was Polly Shore. Uh, either which way, you, even if it isn't Polly Shore, I'm, I'm the thing that I read for the drinking rules said that it was. But even if it isn't, it sounds exactly like Polly Shore. So that's fine. Uh, but Polly Shore, you know, is a super product of the 90s. It's about the only time that he did a ton of movies. And uh, he's what is connecting both of our movies. Polly Shore, if you remember, is who Ashley obviously thinks uh, Rob Schneider is <laughs> or vice versa. One of the two. <laughs> there was somebody else you threw in there that was even more absurd, but... Oh my God, he is very, he's uncredited. That's weird. That's why, I'm sorry, like, because I was looking at this at Sensibly last week and I could not find Polly Shore, but yeah, he's uncredited in the movie. Well, anyway, he's he sounds exactly like Polly Shore, so that it's easy to, to recognize, but I don't think you've seen anything with Polly Shore in it, so right. you might recognize his voice at least. Right. He has a very recognizable voice. Was he, he Deuce Bigelow? No, that's Rob Schneider. Was it Rob Schneider? Yeah, Deuce Bigelow was Rob Schneider. Oh, we had this conversation already. I get so confused. Yeah. Uh, he was in Biodome. He was in Encino Man, which is our second movie. Um, he was in a, just a bunch of like 90s surfer dude or California-ish movies. Bill and Ted type movies. Right. Um, but you'll, you'll see. You'll, you might recognize his voice. He's pretty recognizable when you see him too. I can get how you might think he looks a little bit like Rob Schneider. He has some like curly hair. Mm. Uh, I think he eventually shaved his hair, but he had like pretty long, like Howard Stern like hair at this point in time. Uh, but this movie, so the director of this movie, this was the actually the directorial debut of Kevin Lima. Kevin Lima went on to do uh, just a couple of other Disney movies, but the biggest one being Tarzan. So Tarzan right now having it's also a resurgence on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack of Tarzan and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, he also was a writer on Aladdin. He did. Uh, he directed Enchanted, which came out more recently, kind of recently. It's still been like 14 years at this point. Uh, and he's did on a couple of other. I think he did 102 Dalmatians, the sequel or whatever. <laughs> that nobody asked for. Yeah, he's he's done a couple of things like that. The other, it's all like cartoon characters. So the, there aren't a ton of like famous actors doing the voices. It's a lot of the Disney people who do do Disney voices and then some famous voice actors who you may or may not know. Uh, the voice that you would recognize in this, though, is Wallace Shawn, who is someone that we talked about multiple times. Oh, yeah. He has, like, one of the most distinct voices that I've ever heard. From uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, he's in Princess Bride. He is in Marvelous Miss Maisel mm-hmm. as the joke writer that she, like, goes to. Yeah. 
Um, he's in a lot of, especially 90s Indeed, yeah. and early 2000s things. He's bald. He has a very, I can't even imitate mm-hmm. his voice or I'd try, but. Does he play the principal in this? Yes. He yeah. plays the principal in that. He's not in too much of the movie, but he's in at least the first like little piece of it. So what is this movie about? So I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis. Hopefully people have heard of or seen this movie, but. Okay, so when Max makes a preposterous promise to a girl he has a crush on, his chances... Oh, this is bad grammar. Come on, IMDb. When Max makes a preposterous promise to a girl he has a crush on, his chances of fulfilling it seem hopeless when he is dragged onto a cross-country trip with his embarrassing father, Goofy. The grammar of this was was bad, so I had to change it. It was... uh, I guess a user wrote this, but uh, something that I love when I pulled this up, though, is that when you look at the, I guess they show the email addresses of people who have like written things about the plot summary and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the movie's so old that a lot of them are like at bellsouth.net and right. like and, and, uh, like at aol.com right. and things like that. Anyway, so it's it's a very standard Max wants to date this girl. It's summer now. Everybody is out for the summer. So his plan is that he's going to go to this party that she's having to watch the Powerline concert. Powerline, you know, being like the big band that sings the song that everybody mm-hmm. knows from this movie if they've seen it. That character, Powerline, based off of Bobby Brown. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie I Am Sam with Sean Penn and Dakota Fanning? I think so, but I can't remember it. No, oh, then this joke isn't going to land. What is it? Like, do you remember what it's about? No. So Sean Penn plays a character with special needs who has a daughter and he's like an only father. And there's a lot of questions about his ability to take care of a daughter uh-huh. of being special needs. Mm-hmm. I kind of think of Goofy like that. It makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> I, I will say uh, Goofy is a strange character. And in this, I don't know, though, as a dad, it's like Goofy is like the quintessential, like weird dad. Yeah. I mean, like he loves Max so much, but man. Does he really have the mental capacity to be a father? I think so. In this movie, <laughs> at least. I think in the cartoons, less so. I think he's he's even more wacky. In this one, he's just, like, goofy. He's literally, <laughs> he's literally goofy. But he's not, like, incapable of taking care of himself and his son. Right. I will say, though, that this movie will make you sad. Yeah. <laughs> It'll make you sad at how children treat their parents. Yeah. That actually ties into some of the drinking rules. I did find drinking rules for this. It wasn't easy to find, but I did eventually find one. A couple of things about this. It's on seven inches of your time. Have you ever seen that one before? No. Yeah, so seven inches of your time actually has a bunch of movies, but it seems like it's mostly 90s-ish movies because I saw this multiple things. Uh, Flubber they had and uh, a lot, which we should watch Flubber too, but in this though, they also have a gif of Wayne and Garth. So that randomly made it into here. (laughs) So the rules that they have, I'm going to edit this down a little bit. They have quite a few, so I'm just going to edit it. Whenever Max wishes that he wasn't with Goofy or is horrified to become like Goofy. That's uh, sad. (laughs) But it's like the whole premise of the movie. In with that is any time that Max accidentally ayooks, like where he does the Goofy, (laughs) like ayook, like that type of noise, uh, because that plays kind of a role in this movie too. Uh, sip whenever Pete yells at PJ. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty standard one. Drink whenever Goofy laughs or falls over. Mm-hmm. Drink for every song that plays. There's quite a few. It's not just the Powerline one. It says toast whenever Goofy says Maxi. But I don't need to get this emotional and sentimental. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that we can uh, skip that one out. 
finish a drink when Bobby, Bobby Zimaruski eats the Leaning Tower of Chiza. Mm. And then uh, the last one I'm going to say is we can drink uh, whenever Max talks about or blushes at Roxanne, like or shows that he's interested in Roxanne or mm-hmm. vice versa. Uh, I think that's enough. The other one that they talk about is when there's like a heartwarming father and son moment. That's mostly toward the end, I think. They also said drink every time they use the perfect cast. We should definitely drink when they use the perfect cast, but that's not something you can drink to multiple times. Yeah. It happens like a couple times in, right. the, in the movie. Right. But the song, uh, there's going to be a lot of songs. So do you remember this movie? I remember key parts of it. Okay. I think it should be a good one. It's one of the most meaningful movies of my uh, formative years. I don't know what that says about you. <laughs> that I'm a millennial who had access to the Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just like saying that you're influenced by Doug or Hey Arnold. Which I'm not. Well, I was. I know. That's why I care about a middle class, uh, you know, just like everyday average Joe. Being a normal everyday person. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not idolizing Real Housewives. Okay. (laughs) I revealed to my team today that I'm a Real Housewives fan. Yeah. They didn't know. Well. I I told them I'm in a cult. I would be more prone to watch real tenement dwellers. What? <laughs> I said I would be <laughs> real tenement dwellers. Okay. <laughs> like tenement housing, you know, like subsidized. Yeah, city like I get it. It was just not funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go watch a goofy movie, a goof. Okay. Huyot? <laughs> <laughs> And we're back from watching the Goofy movie. What a goof. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what a what a gas. A gas. I will say that ever since you brought that up, that comment of like, is he like, <laughs> does he have like the mental faculties to I, like... I feel bad now. Well, I mean, he is like a very endearing and like loving father in the movie. But I do see where you're coming <laughs> from. And in a couple of times I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They even kind of get in a fight about it a little bit when the car rolls away. <laughs> okay, but but that part aside, this is the most 90s movie. We've watched a lot of 90s movies, and this is like the most 90s movie. Mm-hmm. Because everything they do, they listen to cassette players, they have Walkmans. The beginning is him like oversleeping, and like he has one of the alarm clocks where the numbers physically rotate. Like on little placards that, <laughs> that loop over. And so, like, he hits it and it spins around to the right time. All that type of stuff. Goofy. Did you know there's people who still buy alarm alarm clocks? Yeah. I mean, some people want just one right by their bed to eat they, more easily see. They have one. That's their phone. Yeah, but your phone can die or your phone, ha- like, maybe has to sit on a charger that isn't, like, right where you can see it easily. Okay. I mean, we technically have one in the top of our bedroom closet. What? It's one that I've had since I was, like... A child. Then we don't have anything. You have something that's a relic in our closet. Sure. I mean, we don't use it. It's not plugged in. It's just in our yeah, closet. Yeah, obviously. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> yeah. I've had it literally since I was a child. It's like huh. one of those black ones with the red numbers. Yeah. My parents, though, had the one that was like brown with the green numbers. Mm-hmm. That's like the straight 80s one. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I was saying, though, was that Goofy also works as a department store photographer. Yeah. At what is essentially a Kmart. Yep. They have a blue light special. If anybody remembers blue light specials at Kmart. Mm-hmm. Boy. So, I mean, I mean everything. I thought that this was a super nostalgic movie 
they have all like so many Disney things. It's not just Goofy and Max and whatever. It's like there are so many Disney references and they're all early 90s Disney references. Mm -hmm. They have the retro Disney intro that we talked about, Mm -hmm. like that when it starts playing. Uh, I thought it was a pretty funny movie still. (laughs) Like there were still moments that I laughed. I mean, it's not like laugh out loud. It's not like riotously funny. But um, unless I thought it was funny. it's Bigfoot doing a, a sock puppet show, you think that shit's hilarious? I really do. <laughs> uh, the movie's also so short that I mean, it's anybody the perfect sh- length. It really is. Anybody should go rewatch this movie because it's only going to take like an hour and twenty minutes of your time. Yeah, it's so short, especially if you used to watch this and liked it at all. It's definitely worth rewatching. Yeah, it has one Breaking Bad episode. <laughs> kind of like Breaking Bad in some ways. <laughs> it's like the way set it breaks the same, my heart. Well, that too, but it's also set in like a Breaking Bad type setting for half the time. Though we also we try to figure out where they're going because they don't really say where they're starting. But you know, it's a road trip, and they're following Goofy's map that he made with his dad, and it's like this like curly Q route that goes through like half the states of the United States. They show it briefly, but we couldn't really see it. There's another time where they actually show it when the Bigfoot foot is sleeping on top of their car and they like kick open the glove box and the mat pops out. So in that scene, we paused it and we were able to get an idea of where they started from. It appears that they start in Kentucky. Right. Of all places, mm-hmm. of all the places to be, they start in Kentucky. Uh, I would not have placed that. There's yeah. no like connection of Disney. Yeah, we far- thought for sure it was going to be Orlando like, yeah. or Florida in general. Right. I don't even think they go to Florida. The map has them go all sorts of ways. They go from like Kentucky into Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Missouri, and then back into Kentucky and then into Tennessee. It appears that Tennessee is where they find Bigfoot. I don't know if that's ever been a rumor. I think Bigfoot's more like a West Coast thing, but yeah. you know, uh, they find Bigfoot there. There's also like an Elvis impersonator in the diner there. So this movie reminded me of all of my childhood road trips. Uh, or you just disappoint your father over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but no, it's just like my family loved going to like museums and places that nobody else would go to. Mm-hmm. So I've already told you multiple times, but my mom was big into collecting precious moments. Mm-hmm. Those like figurines with the big heads and the oversized mm-hmm. eyes. Drink her product of the times. Yeah. Big in the 90s and probably 80s too, honestly. My grandmother's actually who got into them first. It's a very like religious thing too. It's all like Christian uh, associated. Mm-hmm. Kind of like evangelical Christian associated too. Right. And my grandmother got really big into it and... I think when she died, um, that's one of the things that she like passed on to my mom because like they're collectible, but I also don't know if they're worth anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be, or maybe they were at one point in time. But so she passed on like a whole ton of them, and my mom kind of just got into collecting them. So one of the things that we would do as a road trip was when we were lived in Texas and we're driving to Ohio, we would stop halfway in Missouri, and sometimes we would go to Branson, Missouri which is like a middle America thing to do. But the much more obscure thing that you can do is go to Joplin, Missouri, (laughs) which is where the Precious Moment Museum is. (laughs) And if you're wondering what a Precious Moments Museum is, it's basically a gift shop with a lot of Precious Moments. And that's basically it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not so much museum as it is store. But it is a museum. It has like a, or at least it had, I don't know if it still exists or not. 
it had like a hotel either connected to it or right next to it. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you could go and they had like big figurines, like four, four foot tall figurines. Mm-hmm. That was the museum-ish aspect of it. You could mm-hmm. walk around and see those big figurines. They had a food court with horrendous food. All I remember is like getting a burger there and it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> and again, this is in the early 2000s that I was doing this, maybe late 90s as well. So we went there. Um, they had one of those water shows mm-hmm. where they like spray water and then project like images onto it. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of Jesus and like the water spraying and then it, it makes Jesus's face and like mm-hmm. all this stuff. That's the only thing that was like an attraction mm-hmm. at this place, as far as I could tell. Everything else was like gazebos. You could see like whoever created Precious Moments. It was a, some dude. He would like sculpt them, you know, mm-hmm. himself. And like you could see his original house. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of like a ranch style house. Like mm-hmm. it was not special whatsoever. Like I don't, I don't know. It, it was weird. You have to be like very into that niche thing to like care whatsoever about this place. Mm-hmm. Also, it's in the middle of the boonies in Missouri and there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So like we'd always go to the Olive Garden, which <laughs> was like the only restaurant anywhere nearby. <laughs> we always stayed in those, like the Neptune Inn in this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the like Motel 8 style, like where the doors face outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd always stay in a place like that heading to uh, Ohio. We didn't have a water bed, but I did write down... One of the things I always thought about when I was watching this movie is that growing up, until we left Ohio, my parents had a waterbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, I'm pretty sure a dark green, like a forest green. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's what they always were. Yeah, the like rubber waterbed and they filled that thing up and I loved it. I remember absolutely loving it. My friend in Texas growing up when I was uh, maybe middle school or high, early high school, he had a waterbed too. That was much lighter, but like... At that point in time, I realized that they're not really that comfortable. Not comfortable at all. Like, there's no real support to a waterbed, so you're kind of just always, like, taught, like, if you turn in your sleep, you're just kind of, like, rolling all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> you just roll to the center. <laughs> as a kid, I loved it. Right. But that's different, I guess. I can't imagine as an adult doing that. Yeah, I mean, my biggest memory of that waterbed was sitting at the foot of the waterbed, and my parents had a, like, 12-inch TV that was one of those, like, where you turn... The uh, channel, like, mm-hmm. uh, the, like the knob that had like 10 channels on it. Yeah. Yeah. So they had one of those. And then we had the Sega Genesis hooked up to that. And so my dad and I would sit and like play Sega Genesis on this little tiny TV on the foot of their waterbed. Um, I was looking to see if we can order waterbeds off Amazon and we can. Yeah. I'm sure that they still exist for some people. I, I never really understood how long the water lasts inside of a waterbed. It has to smell horrible when it pops. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they get leaks and things too, but I just don't know. Like, certainly you have to refill it. But the other weird thing about it is that, like, I'm pretty sure that my parents filled it with a hose, and I don't remember how that happened. Oh, so weird. Yeah, because it's like it had like a big, like a, uh, you know, the thing that you fill it with was pretty. It was like hose sized. It was not like a a small thing, and it's so much water that I'm almost entirely certain you had to fill it with a hose. Somebody's obviously being stupid, but somebody left a Amazon review that says it's four stars and says water tasted weird. <laughs> the bed was super comfy. I really liked it, but the one thing I didn't like about it was the water tastes funny. What did we see recently that had a water bed in it? It was a horror movie. Oh no! Oh, the New Conjuring. Uh, what's that? On HBO Max, I think. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Because it's like you, like they see a face 
start push yeah. it, pushing out of the water, yeah, uh, the, the rubber part of the waterbed. <laughs> right. Also set in like a 70s, 80s-ish time yeah. frame. Not sure when waterbeds hit their peak. I don't know if that was like 70s, 80s. But this is in the 90s, and that was in the 90s when I was a kid, so... Yeah. You know what reminded me of my childhood? What? Obsession with cheese whiz. Uh-huh. <laughs> I used to only be able to eat cheese whiz on New Year's Eve. So I looked forward to New Year's Eve every year because I knew I could have cheese whiz and triscuits. <laughs> How many did you eat? All of it. Oh, good. <laughs> did you do a Leaning Tower of cheese no, I wanted to savor it. I didn't want it to go away so fast. <laughs> savor it. The, 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 sad, <laughs> the saddest sound and noise... The sound and noise is the same thing. You mean the, the saddest sound and noise is like when, like, whipped cream, when you run out. When it goes it, like the, like, <laughs> like, and it's like, it just sputters. <laughs> that would be the saddest thing. It is so bizarre because I have not once ever pegged you as someone who would like cheese whiz. I mean, I would, I could not imagine eating it as an adult, but my God, when I was a kid. This is also coming from someone who has a child ate all sorts of insanely disgusting sandwiches. Stop. I mean, you would not eat any of that today. No, well, like I didn't, well, I don't know if you can call bologna with mayonnaise on it a sandwich, but. <laughs> oh, it didn't even have bread? No. Oh. It was a bologna taco. <laughs> Filled with mayonnaise? Yes. That is so gross. <laughs> no, I'm like gagging thinking about oh, it. Oh, jeez. I don't know. <laughs> well, let, to get a better picture in our, in our mind, something that we both immediately thought of in watching this movie was how much we wanted pizza. Oh, my God. The pizza scene. I don't know why that pizza looks so good. I want a pizza It's right just like now. so cheesy and like and like drippy, you know? Like, oh, my God. It's like cheese. Yeah. When I was a kid, every time I saw that, I wanted to uh, eat a cheese pizza. I want to eat a cheese pizza right now. Never wanted to eat alphabet soup. Nope. I hated alphabet soup. Maybe because uh, you particularly didn't like it because they ate it by cooking it on a cigarette lighter from the car. <laughs> yeah, that too. that's a product of the times as well. When Those physical cigarette lighters that you like. You could easily burn yourself on those too. Yeah. Especially as a kid. So the movie, I think, was a great drinking movie. It's short. It has all the drinking rules work. I added a few new things to it as well that makes it even easier to drink too. There are some things you just kind of forget to drink too, like goofy falling and, and things like that. Because right. they happen just right. naturally What's as part of... What's the stuff that you added? Oh, uh, the things that I added, anytime that you see a reference to another Disney property, mm-hmm. so like, like a character or a song or name, yes. because that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. This is like, modern Disney movies do this too. Right, where they have like a Finding Nemo stuffed pillow. Right, but it's like, it's more like Easter eggy. Right, it's an Easter egg. This is not an Easter egg. This is straight up like (laughs) at one point in time, they're playing a game which is just like, say who I'm thinking of. (laughs) And it's it's basically just like 20 questions. And they're like, okay, is it a man? Yes. Walt Disney? Yup. It's like, they say Walt Disney twice in this movie. Yeah. So it's like that type of thing. Uh, Max has a Mickey Mouse telephone. Uh, They mentioned that Goofy's best friend is Donald Duck. Uh, we also discussed how this world is kind of confusing because they're all, I'm assuming, dogs. Mm-hmm. Roxanne's dad is the most dog-like. <laughs> He's like a straight-up bulldog. But everybody else is kind of like humanoid dog. And Roxanne doesn't look like an animal at all except for her nose. Right. Which is kind of more like the Rescue Rangers. What was that? Remember uh, with Chippendale, what was that? Was, was Gadget? Was that her name? I don't know. Remember the female chipmunk? No. 
who like worked on the planes and sure stuff. Don't. You didn't watch Rescue Rangers? I watched it every morning at 4 a.m. I don't remember a girl. Yeah, she was like one of the main characters. I just remember Chip and Dale and some Rescue Rangers. I think they were the Rescue Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Um, this movie, though, too, it, I mean, it's, there are a lot of funny jokes. It's honestly a little mature. Like, it's not mature in, in a way that kids can't watch it, but it's a little mature in that, like, I appreciate it still today. It doesn't feel like watching a child's movie necessarily. Right. It's like watching a movie that children can watch and that adults can watch as well. Um, the way that the principal talks, and especially when he's talking to Goofy, is just, like, hilarious. <laughs> and, and so, like, he's like, your son's going to wind up in the electric chair. <laughs> and calls him dressing like a gang member. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I wrote down, I tried to write down the quote, but it happened a little fast. And because it was one of my favorite quotes in this, which is, your son was dressed like a gang member. He worked people into a riotous frenzy. <laughs> and if you don't get him under control, he's going to wind up in the electric chair. <laughs> and this is after Pete has already talked to Goofy about, like, uh, you know, what happens to kids uh, when you don't have them under your thumb anymore. They, like, get involved in gangs and they start riots and they do all this other stuff. So, like, all those keywords happen in the, in the principal's thing. So that's, like, what makes Goofy lose his mind and want to play on this road trip to get his son back on track or whatever. Right. And mind you, the dressing like a gang member was him just wearing basically the costume of Powerline, which was like very like Michael Jackson-esque. Do you think it was because of the Powerline outfit? Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, that it was that is very kind of like 80s musician-ish. Mm-hmm. I thought it was because of how he normally dresses, which is just like baggy pants and a hoodie. No, I don't think Disney would go there for a comment like that. I mean, they still went there with a comment like that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not exactly sure how he ever looked like a, like a gangster, but... Uh, that was one of the things that they said. The other thing that I loved, both a product of the time and a great quote. This is probably, so the winding up in an electric chair quote is great. This is my other favorite one, which is Pete overhears Max telling PJ. That's his name, right? Yeah, Pete Jr. Uh, telling him about like how he changed the map to go to Los Angeles. Because mm-hmm. the whole premise of this is that he asks Roxanne on a date to go watch a Powerline concert on pay-per-view <laughs> at somebody's house. It's like the next day or something, or like a couple days from then. But then he's already done this like school assembly thing where he pretended to be a, a musician and he got detention. The principal calls Goofy and like makes him scared. So Goofy's like, I have to take my son on a road trip and like get him back into shape and make sure I'm in his life so he's not going to become a gang member and end up in the electric chair. So that's when, like, now his plans to go on a date with Roxanne are messed up and he stops by to try to talk to her to be like, it's not because I don't like you, but she's, like, not having it. She's like, yeah, you can say that. I know how you feel. So then he, like, blurts out this random thing that he's going to be not just in Los Angeles, which is not where they're headed. They're heading to Idaho. But that he's going to be at the Powerline concert and then on stage at the Powerline concert. So he's going deep mm-hmm. <laughs> on his hopes uh, of what he's going to be able to accomplish on this. And he somehow, you know, he somehow does it. Uh, but anyway, Max is in charge of the map. And so it's like he's going to be the one that's that's getting them there. And he has a scene where, like, Goofy's sleeping and he scribbles it out and, like, draws a new route that goes to Los Angeles. And he happens okay. to tell PJ that and Pete overhears him say that. So then Pete in like the most like Ashley way 
<laughs> Pete, Pete is like the Ashley character. That's so mean. <laughs> but you know it's true. It's not. The way that Pete interacts with children is exactly how I imagine you interacting with most children. You see me around children. Like when he uses the sticky pad to keep them in place so they can take their picture. Sean, I would never admit that I would do that on a podcast. <laughs> but you might do it. No. Well, anyway, so they're in a hot tub and uh, Goofy's like all relaxed. Everything's been going great. He's finally been bonding with Max. And when he gets into the hot tub, Pete is like, ah, I see you're taking a break from the MTV generation, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which also throughout this, they mention like, Goofy makes a lot of comments about how, like, he thinks that Max's favorite music sounds like trash and, like, <laughs> how it's horrendous and, like, his favorite music is the Mambo King and, and all this stuff. Max's favorite music is just, like, kind of Michael Jackson, Bobby Brown. I mean, like I said, those are the two influences for Powerline are Michael Jackson and Bobby Brown. Primarily Bobby Brown. So interesting. Yeah. Everything else that they play in this is just kind of, like nirvana type music or and like nothing is like in like death metal there's one scene like where he is like he turns the radio on and it's he's like air guitaring to it and mm -hmm. it's kind of like a metal type song mm -hmm. but everything else he listens to is just straight up like pop music like 80s pop music right so I, I'm, I'm a little confused how uh, they think that it's that terrible but you know so what was your opinion about this movie ashley so the movie was better than I thought it was going to be. I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was, I thought it was a good time. I don't need to watch it again anytime soon. But I enjoyed it. It's one of those movies, though, that, like, <laughs> when you get, like, very, like, you really want to watch something and you're scared that I'm going to be, like, miserable during it, you will, like, the entire time, like, over-animate your stuff. And, like, when, like, you think something's funny, you'll be like, see, it is funny! You were doing that a lot throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, I had to sell it. I, I didn't need you to. That's how, I feel like that's how you were with uh, Notting Hill. And especially, well, the most by far is uh, Moulin Rouge. When we watched yeah. Moulin Rouge, you were really like, yeah, see, <laughs> this trash is great. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a good movie, and it's a heartwarming movie, and it's also a depressing movie. Okay, what did you think I rated it? As I want to reference back... Last time I, m I mentioned this, and we should keep doing this going forward. So we are going to separate drinking and, and movie. So first is just the quality of movie on a 100-point scale like you would for Rotten or anything else. Because mm -hmm, we are Rotten now. Yeah. The drinkability score is just going to be 1 out of 10, right? Mm -hmm. how, how good of a drinking movie was it? Because mm -hmm. I think those need to be separate, and it makes sense. We keep trying to com combine these things. Of course, our you know, nostalgia and everything else will factor into that, as it will for my rating of this. This movie, in terms of quality of movie, how you would rate it, my guess is that you would be in the 40s or 50s. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe 50-something just because you're trying to appease me. Mm -hmm. Is that too high? I'm not saying anything. That was my guess. A 50-something? That's not a guess. Oh, you need a, a more specific guess? Yeah. I need a bet on how far you are off. Oh, <laughs> okay. What's the over-under? <laughs> We're, it's like playing, uh, we talked about this the whole time we were in Vegas, but um, Vegas Vacation, where they go to the like Penny Casino, and they play, guess the number, I'm thinking. 13? No, that's not what it was. Okay, so I'm going to say a, it's probably on the lower end, 52. So what's your over-under? What do you mean? What's the over-under? 
I don't know what that means. Shawnee, <laughs> I'm supposed to say. Wait, you keep bet- making these bets and you don't know what it means? No, I understand. Over oh. under just means you'll be over the number, over that number. Yeah. So Not you- within a specific range of that number. I understand, but I'm saying, are you over or under? I told you my exact number. <laughs> uh, neither over or under. <laughs> now you have to tell me. If- no, but I'm telling you, you're not right. So, oh, okay. are you higher than my score or lower than my score? I'd say that I'm higher than your score. Give me your money. I'm a 68. 68? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, that pays it out. Got a, it got a lot of points for also being the perfect length movie. Yeah, I mean, it, like it really knowing is. when to quit is maybe the most important thing in yeah, the world. People could really take some lessons from this movie because none of it's slow. They manage to have some character development enough for an animated film, mm-hmm. but they also like hit every important part mm-hmm. in such a fast time frame. Mm-hmm. So like, you feel like you've watched a whole story, even mm-hmm. though it's only like barely over an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw a little bit of them like reconciling and becoming closer and, mm-hmm. and whatever. It's like you feel like you've felt watched the whole thing mm-hmm. in, in just that short amount of time. So that's something I really appreciate. I would not have expected a 68. Yeah. Wow. Yep. What did you read it? So, okay. To preface what I'm going to say, is this a like Academy Award winning movie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was literally going to say yes. <laughs> How did you know? Because we're married. Okay. And we make all the same jokes. No, it, and it's it's clearly not. I'm going to say the quality of this movie is good. This is a legit movie. This movie, if it came out today, would be a good Disney movie. The jokes are pretty decent. It tells like a coming of age story in a way that like kids can like relate to. Right. Like they accurately portray a lot of like his fears of becoming like his dad and like the awkwardness of becoming an adult. Like, or becoming a, a, you know, like a later teenager and that Mm -hmm. type of thing. They hit on all that and it's pretty accurate. Goofy's like fears of losing a son. It's like all that's pretty deep for just an animated movie. Right. And they touch a lot of things, uh, you know, like across all that throughout Mm -hmm. the whole movie. The music is also pretty solid. (laughs) Like (laughs) all the songs are pretty catchy. Like I remembered all of them immediately. Mm -hmm. My least favorite song was always the one where they're reconciling on the car, where they're in like the river. That was my least favorite song growing up, too. I love the intro song. I love the Powerline song. There's a whole bunch of other songs. The They pull a Damien Chazelle on the road, <laughs> and it's like La La Land's entrance, but when they're leaving town, where they sing on the open road or whatever. <laughs> All of that was great. The way that they interact, like that he interacts with Roxanne is like genuine. I, I don't know. I love it. So that said... It does have to have a cap because it's not like the best movie you've ever seen. Right. right. So if you keep it in the realm of animated movies and you and you take it for what it is, I think that this is going to be an 88. An 88. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. I want to put it in the 90s. I think in terms of the quality of movie that it is. And if you're comparing it to other animated movies, I think that's where it is in 88. But okay. I can keep watching it over and over again. And it's so short that you can easily do that. Okay. I think it's better than other things of the same time period, like Flubber. Well, yeah. Flubber's a little later, but like that's the same rough, gen- you know, mm-hmm. rough time time frame. Okay. So what are you giving us for drinkability? For drinkability, I thought it was great because a lot of our drinking rules hit throughout and they were easy to follow. So yeah. like it hit that. I would give it an 8 out of 10. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Really? I mm-hmm. could have maybe gone a little bit higher even, but... 
It was super easy to drink to, and it wasn't one of those where you feel like you're chasing the rules, you know? Like, I mean, like, oh, yeah, that that just hit, like, two minutes after it happened. Like, this one, it was very easy to be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Right, Mm -mm. yeah, exactly. And I would say eight with the rules read at the beginning, nine if you add my rules. Yeah, I agree. Because the Disney thing is, like, it, it's fun to point out when you see it, and it, they don't even hide it, so mm-hmm. it's it's not an Easter egg. It's just out in the open. Mm-hmm. That's something that makes it really easy to drink, too. Yeah, I think it was great. Okay, well, what's the next goofy movie? <laughs> so the next movie, you'll hate a lot more, <laughs> is Encino Man. Encino Man came out, I think, just a little bit earlier than a goofy movie. I want to say that it was 1992. But Encino Man has Brendan Fraser, as we said last time, Polly Shore, who was the uncredited voice <laughs> uh, <laughs> that said Leaning Tower of Chiza. Okay. I want to say that in between the recordings, I went and looked up Encino Man, and I don't know if I'm making it through this. We'll see. So Encino Man, it did. It came out in 1992, has Sean Astin. That's another person I forgot about. Brendan Fraser, uh, Marriott Hartley, Richard Masser, and Polly Shore. Takes place in Encino, Los Angeles, which is why it's called Encino Man. It is the directorial debut of Les Mayfield, who directed the 90s version of Miracle on 34th Street. I liked that. Also directed Flubber. Nope. So there's a, co- you know, a connection. He directed mm. Blue Streak, mm. American Outlaws. The Man and Codename the Cleaner. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it seems like Codename the Cleaner was the very last thing that he directed, which that was starring Cedric the Entertainer. He just cleaned up his career. Yeah. Along with Nicolette Sheridan and Lucy Liu. I do not remember that movie, but it came out in 2007. So, in terms of the synopsis for Encino Man, I told you a little bit about it before. You know, it's basically like about a caveman. But here's a very brief synopsis from IMDb. When they find a frozen caveman in their backyard, in their backyard, by the way, (laughs) not like somewhere, in their backyard. When they find a frozen caveman in their backyard, two high school outcasts thaw him and introduce him to modern life when while he in turn gets them to actually enjoy life. Okay. Are you telling me that Polly Shore is playing a teenager? Yep. He was a teenager. What? This was in 90, 1992, Ashley. How old was he then? I don't know. Uh, he's probably in his early 20s or something like that. I'm going to find out. Also, guess what? This has one award and one win and one nomination at the Chicago Film Critics Association Awards in 1993. <laughs> You know who it was for, Ashley? Who? Someone who every time I say that he is making a resurgence, you disagree with me. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Sure is 24 in this movie. Okay, that makes sense. As and, a high schooler? Yeah, and Sean Astin is the other high schooler, I believe. Though Sean Astin looks like he's like way younger, right? Uh, he is three years younger than Polly Shore. Oh, wow. Because Sean Astin today looks younger, younger is the thing, though. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> there are two awards, actually, that this one. One, Most Promising Actor at the Chicago Film Critics Association Awards in 1993, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> also in 1993, 
worst new star. <laughs> so you had most promising actor and worst new star. Brendan Fraser? Pauly Shore. <laughs> he won a Razzie in 1993 for, for the same role. Oh, Lord. I also wanted to read the tagline, which is, where the Stone Age meets the Rock Age. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be great. It's... Uh, okay, what are, what are my drinking rules? So this one, I could not find drinking rules. Nobody had any drinking rules for this thing. So what we're going to have to go with is kind of early 90s. This isn't a stoner movie, but it has kind of the vibes you know, like okay, I have a question. Surfer, stoner, Bill and Ted type movie. Does Brendan Fraser, the best, most promising new actor, does he do like a whole thing where like he like I know somewhere? You know, like I don't know. I don't know, but probably because everything. So here's the thing: I haven't seen this movie since I was a child. So I remember it, and I have like pictures of certain scenes, and I don't, but I don't remember the plot, and I I couldn't like tell you specific scenes from the movie because so because I want to say because I was gonna say if so like every time he does that bullshit like we could do that, and then I was gonna say my shot in the dark is at the end of the movie he's gonna like know how to use verbs or something, and okay. like say like a full sentence, and it's gonna be like a heartwarming moment. That's a good guess. <laughs> I would say okay, so I would say. Whenever he uses like rudimentary language or like where they have him not talk and act through gestures or something mm-hmm. like that type of thing, mm-hmm. kind of like they did in Bill and Ted with the people who spoke other languages. Mm-hmm. There's also a caveman or well something like a prehistoric man in Bill and Ted. Remember? Yeah. Probably he's going to act like that, but I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say you, we have that rule. I'm going to say anytime that you hear music like rock music especially if it's in the tagline mm-hmm. especially like grungy music but any i would say any type of music plays like that anytime that there's like california or stoner humor would just like it could just be like surfer dude like that type of mentality Pauly shore is kind of like that type of person mm-hmm. so i think anytime that he acts like that i'm trying to think uh anytime brendan fraser's shirtless because the '90s loved making Brendan Fraser shirtless, mm-hmm. like George of the Jungle mm-hmm. and all those other things. Because uh, that's back like when he actually, you know, had a six pack and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in uh, the Mummy, they find ways to like mm-hmm. kind of take his shirt off temporarily. What an unattractive man to decide to make like a. Well, he used to be considered kind of like a heartthrob. I know, but I think he's so unattractive really? during that time. Yeah. Uh, well, so I think anytime he's shirtless, anytime they introduce him to something new. I think that's going to be a good one because he's going to have to learn everything about the modern world. Uh, anytime he misuses something or like is confused by what he's seeing, mm-hmm. you know, so like if he picks up some like like a telephone and uses it to mm-hmm. bang something or mm-hmm. like something like that, mm-hmm. I think that could be an easy one. It's going to be mostly based on like what we've seen from Brendan Fraser and Polly Shore in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also include crude humor. Anytime there's crude humor. And anytime they do something goofy. Okay. Anytime they do something goofy, that could be kind of the same. When I say crude humor, I'm thinking like fart jokes. Yeah, I hate that stuff. That type of stuff. but Or like gross stuff in his hair or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go terrorize me for the next hour and how many minutes? I haven't even looked at that. Let me see. The runtime of this movie. Please don't be over an hour. Four hours long. Okay, wait. Let me me make my guess. What's the (laughs) runtime? My guess is an hour and 38 minutes. Wrong. Damn it. Okay. You want to know what? 
almost the exact same length as Goofy Movie. Thank God. It is an hour and 28 minutes. Oh, I was close. 10 minutes, but you're still wrong. You don't want any money. You know what else? I, I had no idea about this. Okay, wow. This blows my mind. Here's another connection. We always wind up with these somehow. I don't know mm-hmm. how. Um, <laughs> I guess because like Hollywood is such a tight knit circle mm-hmm. of like everybody just mm-hmm. doing everything all the time. But uh, this film was released in 1992 by Walt Disney Studios. I had no idea this was related in any way. I thought you were going to say something so much better than that. No, that's not the only thing. So that's the first thing. Okay. So it was under Walt Disney Studios, but under its Hollywood Pictures label. It didn't have like the Disney emblem on it. Okay. It was Hollywood Pictures. But that's another connection to Goofy Movie that I would have never thought of. The other thing, oh, this is the opposite. This is the opposite of what Goofy did. So we talked about how a Goofy Movie was a movie adaptation of a TV show. This had a made-for-television spinoff called Encino Woman in 1996. Okay. I think that is another connection. I guess. Um, but I also love that you just said a connection, both released by Walt Disney Studio. As if like, if I could walk in here one day and go, look, they're both made by A24. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my connection. No, but nothing about this movie says Disney movie to me. Yeah. It's not that type of movie. That's like finding out that Bill and Ted is is a Disney movie. Yeah. Right? But it's not, you know, so anyway. Okay, let's go. Okay. And we're back from watching Encino Man. Um, Sean's lucky that I don't want to divorce them after watching this. What? This was a great movie. I said that I don't. But I, I you made that sound like a little like... No, like I, I'm saying that like I went into this thinking like we were done. <laughs> and I'm here and I don't think we're done. This was not that bad of a movie. It, it definitely a polished Shore movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember too much about Biodome. I remember watching Biodome. I remember watching In the Army, but I don't remember watching the other ones that he had around this time, same time period. It's full of Pauly Shore phrases and terms it made it actually kind of hard for me to tell what was like gen x speak right because this is from the time period when gen x was like in high school so like what was gen x speak of the time period versus what was Polly shore speaking in his like weird Polly shore language right so i wrote down a couple of the things that he says one thing is that he loves ending things in edge like Instead of saying money, like we need money, he'll say we need fundage. Yeah. So like that's one. He is always saying grindage, which is never defined. So I don't know if it's like a, yeah. if he means that in like a skater way. Yeah. Like when he first said it, like I thought he meant like sex, but it's, that's not what he means at all. No, the context doesn't seem to imply that at all. He says crusty a lot. Crusty and, so but, much. When he says crusty, crusty in modern slang would definitely be a negative, but the way right. he uses it throughout this is a positive. Like becoming popular. Yeah, he calls himself crusty. Maybe he means like upper crust. Like, uh, I don't know. You know, like it could be just like something like that. But again, I can't tell what's of this time period and what's just him saying made up slang, right? Because right. he's, there's a couple of times where Ashley's like, did he just say yeah. <laughs> like he'll say a full sentence where it's like we didn't understand a single at the dinner party is one well it's because like he does like this thing and you're alluding to it earlier of like just breaking up his syllables and like there are sentences where he breaks up every syllable right well in 
That's one of the drinking rules that needs to be added to this is anytime that Pauly Shore breaks up a word. Mm-hmm. So the first time that he does it is he says the word cover, but he will mm-hmm. say it like you need to cover mm-hmm. like that's a very polished short thing right. and, and for you anybody who remembers him that you know you remember that's his like the way he speaks right it's very much like a skater california type of slang ish sounding thing the way that he speaks he's a very weird character it's hard for me to peg what type of person he is because he's never actively portrayed as a stoner he's kind of just portrayed as a weirdo but he's also not necessarily unpopular right. i don't know He's kind of unpopular because he's with Sean Astin, who's unpopular, but he just doesn't care about it. Yeah, he just doesn't care at all. I don't know. I don't know. It's it pretty interesting. Uh, speaking of Sean Astin, Sean Astin is in this movie, and he's by far the worst part of it. Oh, he's horrible. He's he, the villain. <laughs> he's not the villain, but he's his acting is villainous. He is not good. It's weird because Sean Astin in The Goonies was good. And that was in the mid-1980s. Sean Astin and Stranger Things was great. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's many things that he did between there that were at did least he pretty Lord good. Did he the Rings? Yeah. So, I mean, he's done mul- multiple pretty good things. But in this, boy, he was absolutely terrible. So the the film begins showing how Brendan Fraser got stuck in the ice, kind of, which is basically just an avalanche. Mm-hmm. But it starts out very, like, The Revenant. Like, yeah. <laughs> or, or like Apocalyptica or one of those types of like old timey, you know, films or whatever. It's kind of serious. Uh, the, the music is serious. That's serious. And then nothing else is serious the rest right. of the movie. But it shows that it shows him. He had like a partner and they're separated. You see her like get crushed by the falling ice or whatever. And then he gets buried. At, and then it starts with Sean Astin digging a pool. That's the aspect of the timeline that I, or the narrative that I didn't really understand very much is that Sean Astin lives in a pretty big house Mm -hmm. in a really expensive part part of California. Like in that neighborhood, that would be really expensive. Mm -hmm. But they don't already have a pool, even though everybody has a pool. Mm -hmm. Like literally you see everybody with a pool and they have him hand digging a pool. Right. That's how he finds a caveman in his backyard. Right. Is that he's at his multi-million dollar house hand digging a pool because he wants to be popular. And to be popular, he has to have a pool party in his mind, I guess. It's kind of weird because they never really mention his parents. Mm-hmm. Like his parents are in, a, in like one scene. Right. But outside of that, it's just him doing his own stuff. So it's never like his parents were like, if you want a pool, you have to make your own pool. Right. It just seems like it was Sean Astin's idea to do that. Yeah, it was stupid. He kind of has like an irredeemable character because his character is annoying and kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, he's always kind of stalking the love interest. Yeah. And for 90% of the movie, she has no interest in him. Right. Even at the end of the movie, she doesn't really have interest in him. Right. It's it's bizarre. Brendan Fraser is pretty good. Mm. <laughs> he does a lot of f- physical comedy. I don't know. I liked him. Uh, Pauly Shore, I also liked him. He was fine. But... By far, the best actor in this movie was the actor who plays Matt, who is kind of the bully slash villain slash king of my heart. Yeah, I wrote down his name is Michael DeLuise. Yes, Michael DeLuise, who we found out after the fact. So the entire time we're watching the movie, I was like, God, he looks so familiar. Like, why why can't I place him? Well, I couldn't place him because... 
and what I know him from, he looks so vastly different, which is he is in Gilmore Girls as Luke's brother-in-law married to uh, Liz. TJ. TJ, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I adore that character. So I I love that I... I don't think you're supposed to love the villain in this, but I adored him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are a couple times where he's creepy too, but other than that, He's a pretty hilarious character. Um, he's a good 90s villainish type person. Mm-hmm. He's definitely like a bully. He does stereotypic 90s bully things. Right. Um, like pinning Sean Astin up onto the wall. Mm-hmm. And when he does that, he says, some of us pump and some of us slump. <laughs> <laughs> he always has like weird phrases right. like that. Right. Um, My favorite thing that he said the entire movie is when he is like crashing the prom to you know say the, the jig is up and uh robin who is his ex-girlfriend is trying to get him to like chill out and everything's like so quiet he just turns to her and goes shush it's <laughs> 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 so funny <laughs> the way he says it that was a repeat we had to rewind and rewatch that one but then the movie itself addresses that because then at the end after he kind of gets shunned by the whole prom who kind of supports brendan fraser Mm -hmm. for some reason the whole school loves brendan fraser he somehow becomes the okay so to to lead into this a little bit brendan fraser was frozen in the ice he's they say all sorts of terms and i don't know if any of them are sorry Mm -hmm. scientifically accurate (laughs) because like caveman is not a like an actual term right then they call him a Cro-Magnon man, but I don't know if that's actually the right thing either. Either which way, he's from a very long time ago. He was buried in the ice in Sean Astin's backyard. <laughs> he then comes out not knowing any language, not knowing anything about the modern 90s mm-hmm. era. Like, he doesn't recognize anything. He, can, he can't really speak throughout the whole movie. So the whole thing is that he, because he can't really interact with anything, ends up going to high school with Sean Astin, Pauly Shore. They decided to take him, that it's safer to take him and act like he's a transfer student. Like he's like a study abroad student from right. Estonia. <laughs> Which, whatever. Because <laughs> uh, he's like grunting and like speaking and like hardly any words and whatever. But either which way, he, he doesn't really speak. And yet he's like the most popular person. And when it gets to the scene that you're talking about, he's nominated prom king. Right. Like, he's winning prom king along with... But he doesn't even say... He can't even speak sentences. He just, like... The thing is, is that, like, if he's truly a, like, a representation of the first, like, man, like, like, where did we go wrong? Because this man who doesn't know any modern English or anything like that, you can say one word to him and he instantly can, like, imitate it. Or you can show him a video of something and he can instantly do it. Yeah. Like, modern man can't do that. Yeah, that's true. I mean... In this, he learns most things. He learns how to dance just mm-hmm. from watching like an Aboriginal, like like a National Geographic thing, kind right. of on. Which leads to my favorite type of thing in a '90s movie, which is a group dance scene at a prom. Yeah. So I loved that. There are multiple dance scenes because they also wind up in like a some sort of like bar where they're in there, and he's dancing in there. It's kind of weird because he like eventually especially in the prom scene is just doing like normal dancing kind of mm-hmm. but throughout the whole thing all he knew was how to do like aboriginal dancing that mm-hmm. he saw from national geographic so right yeah so i will say in starting this movie i would say for the first half i was like not a fan like it was annoying me just as much as i thought it would by the end it grew on me 
To the point that I think you'll be surprised by my rating. Really? Yeah. Huh. Guess. Um, so in terms of your rating, I honestly, I haven't even completely come up with what I'm rating it because it's, it's a tough movie because I loved it. I loved it so much, especially as a comedy, but it's like not good. Right. So I'm going to stick with what I guessed. I'm going to say a 52, okay. which was, I think what I guess somewhere around there is what I guess for your score on mm-hmm. Goofy movie. Yeah. So you're not that far off. I did a 48. 48. That's... Which- I think it's a very, I think it's a surprisingly high score. I mean, there was like the first like third of the movie. I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm giving this like a 17. And it worked its way up. I mean, I can understand how you would. I was going to say that this movie for me, quality wise, is probably like a 58, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's really hard. It's so hard because 90s comedies can be really cheesy in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then this is kind of intentionally cheesy. And it's really hard to like separate Sean Astin's really bad acting with like intentionally bad acting from other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but so I had to just base it kind of on how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> right. I, it can't be higher than that because it's not a good movie. Like mm-hmm. the acting is not very good. But uh, Brendan Fraser, I mean, I thought he was pretty good. There are scenes where he's absolutely ridiculous. Kind of the whole way through, he's absolutely ridiculous. But the the worst thing about this movie, I would say, is that it's a straight 90s movie where it's like, oh, he's a caveman. Here's the most stereotypic caveman things you could do. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly drawing cave drawings. And he's constantly, like, grabbing women. Yeah. And, like, because that's what There was no nuance at all. (laughs) No. And, I mean, and that's kind of, like... The point. Even when they go into the bar, it's like a bar in like a Hispanic part of town and everything is so stereotypic. You know, you have like uh, tougher guys at the bar counter talking and they're using stereotypic phrases. And then you have maracas just randomly, <laughs> randomly. and a bowl of salsa <laughs> sitting out. It's not a Mexican restaurant. It's a bar. Right. But like all that stuff is out, which I don't right. know. I mean, also best acting performance you're going to see is Brendan Fraser uh, drink a bowl of salsa. Yeah, that's, <laughs> he literally just like, <laughs> it was, it was something, just wait. Yeah. Uh, what are you scoring this in terms of drinkability? Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Really? Uh, I think this is a perfect drinking movie. I think it's a perfect drinking movie. I gave it a six, but. Well, we didn't have rules going exactly. into it. Like, I think that with better fleshed out rules and do I have those rules off the top of my head like I should? No. Um, well, I have more rules now. So I think a lot of things did work. Uh, things that you could drink all the time to would definitely be him experiencing something new. That happens all the time, basically, because he doesn't recognize mm-hmm. like hardly anything. Right. So I said him experiencing something new for the first or being introduced to something new mm-hmm. or him being confused by something that happens all the time, too. Right. Where he sees something, and he doesn't know how to use it or he gets frightened of something he shouldn't be frightened by that type of thing. Uh, I just mentioned it too. Polly Shore splitting up words or using made up words. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the best one. Those three would get you drinking through most of the movie. Right. Right. And then anytime that Sean Astin's character is creepy or stalkerish. Right. I mean, there's a scene where they go to the ice rink, and the whole point of this whole thing is that. He stumbled upon a caveman and somehow thinks that this is going to make him popular. I don't know how. That's just like the very vague gist of all this is that he's going to have a caveman that gets him famous and then that will make him popular. And then he can finally be with the girl he wants to be with. 
So anyway, uh, they eventually get to the point where they get invited to the ice skating rink. And he was like, we're finally here where all the mm-hmm. cool kids are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like at the ice skating rink. And when he's there, he walks up to his love interest with a like a Polaroid mm-hmm. and is like, I was naked with you once. <laughs> and it's a picture of them as kids in a bathtub. Right. Like they knew each other when they were like three and they took a bath together. Yeah, that's, that's weird. That's creepy. And yeah. he, makes, he makes comments like that throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it's really uh, He's weird. always so awkward. So that's one that you could drink to easily. And then the other one that I brought up that would be so easy is the California sur- surfer, like the surfer dude accent or the right. uh, stunner type, right. you know, phrases and all that type of stuff. That happens all the time, especially from Polly Shore. Right. Well, I think yeah, did okay. I thought it was a great pairing. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was. It's definitely better than I thought it was going to be. Well, and I would like to say that Encino Man, just like Goofy Movie, is short. It was less than an hour and a half long. Yes, yeah, you're you're killing out with choosing the right length movies. Some of these '90s comedies fall into that time yeah. that time frame. They yeah. were really about like an hour and a half. Yeah, standard. Yeah, and we've expanded beyond that now. Yeah. Well, good job. I'll begrudgingly say. Yeah, I thought it was. A perfect pairing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> okay, so next week we're going to do a listener pick that we feel guilty about not doing when we were trying to do some like horror movies for Halloween. Mm-hmm. So October absolutely killed us in terms of <laughs> we traveled like every every week, and so our ability to record our Horror picks for October didn't really work out according to plan. So we'd always plan that Sean was going to pick a pair, I was going to pick a pair, and then we were going to have one listener's pick. So we decided that we're just going to go ahead and do that for our next movie night because we mainly just want to watch the movies really bad because we like them. Yeah. Well, it's still Um, fall. Yeah. Ish. (laughs) Um, So um, we are going to watch Hereditary as our good movie. Yeah. Which we haven't seen since we saw it in theaters and we loved it. Well, and you know, that's a more serious, not, uh, it's just a better horror movie, I yeah. guess is what I want to say. And our horror movie pairings, I feel like for Halloween, were more like hokey yeah, like, horror movie yeah, pairings. Yeah, like campy, yeah. So I think this is a good one. I think so too. And it could, you know, horror movies can come at any time. They don't have to come whenever. Right. Yeah. And so our listener wants us to pair this one uh, with House on Haunted Hill as the bad movie um, with the theme of, you know, haunted houses. Yeah. Which I think is a great pick. I've never seen House on Haunted Hill. Have you? No, I have not. Oh, that'll be a good one then. Or if I did, it would have been a long time ago. Yeah. I think I remember seeing the box art. It's weird yeah, because... Yeah, I, I can picturize... I can picturize... Picture. You can picturize... <laughs> I can picturize the <laughs> cover. Um, no, I can picture the cover, too. Oh, goodness. <laughs> or well, visualize is what I was trying to say. Uh, same thing with that Pauly Shore one. Was the, it Son-in-Law? Oh, uh, yeah. Son-in-law. Where he has, like, a pitchfork yeah, and, like I knew exactly and he, uh, a bandana. Yeah. I vaguely remember seeing that movie, too, but the, what I really remember is that box art. Yeah, what's really weird too, this is not memorable box art at all. Oh, I can't talk, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's not memorable box art at all, but for some reason, I can always picture the box art for What About Bob? What was that? It was just kind of like a like white cover, and is that Bill Murray? I have no idea. Uh, now I need to look it up. What is What About Bob? What? You ever seen What About Bob? I don't think so. 
Do I have I seen this? Is it a movie? <laughs> Is it a movie? I'm not sure. Okay, not. I feel weird. What about? Yeah, what about Bob? It is Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus. Oh, okay. Yeah. I may have seen it too. That the thing is, I don't remember the titles very well of yeah. of movies and songs. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, well, I'll be excited for that one too. So we're running up against the Thanksgiving holiday right now at the time of this recording. So might experience another lag and episode publishing but we'll get it out there yeah well i mean the next one will come up as soon as we can after thanksgiving yeah um but cool well this is fun yeah see you later aka in our bedroom oh that sounded crusty grindage it's not even at all sayonara bye